was actually I wore a hat because I'm not far off, you mate. <laughs> my hair, especially for the occasion, you see. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there'll be people out there that love that. Hello and welcome to another Jersey Football Chat. Um, Happy New Year, everyone. Hope everyone's had a good Christmas. Uh, today we kick off 2021 with, uh, as always, Cassidy and uh, we've got Mars Landick as well from Jersey Reds Athletic. How are we both doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for having me on, Dan. Yeah, very good. Happy New Year to everybody. Um, let's hope it's better than last year, though. Yeah, let's. <laughs> well, I can't see it being much worse, although it's... It's not a great start. <laughs> it's not started off too great, but we're quite lucky, I suppose. Yeah. At least we don't live in America. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing. Another story, um, right? <laughs> um, firstly, Miles, obviously you're a big, big rugby guy, um, big in that sport, but... You've grown up with football as well. Tell us more about that, your dad being a ref. Um, how was that experience growing up? Yeah, to be honest with you, it's the same as me. I, I didn't start playing rugby till I was about 15 years old. So football was, it was all football for me then. Uh, obviously, being a big guy, I was shoved in goal because someone, everyone would tap the ball past and run around me. Um, but no, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, from when I was younger, playing playing at uh, primary school, then into secondary school. And then obviously going with dad to obviously a lot of, uh, a lot of local football games. Um, uh, back then he was, he was a bit more in his prime then. He was re refereeing more of the games. And, um, you know, so I, I, I tend to see, well, I tend to see quite a lot of, uh, a lot of games in the past. So no, it was, uh, it was absolutely fantastic. For sure. And you touched on your play and you were in goal. Um, who did you play for and what, what, what sort of memories do you have of that? God, I, I was always, to be honest with you, I started out at school and then I started playing for St. Wands. St. Wands was always my my club. Um, you know, we used to love it. Summers down at Grevedelec Beach and it was straight up to football training. Um, no, it was absolutely fantastic. And uh, it, it was mainly St. Wands. And then the, the latter stages of my career at under 18s was uh, for Rosal Rovers and, I think at that time, uh, St. Wands, I was plenty of goalkeepers. So I did under 12s, under 14s and under 16s uh, with them. Uh, and then back end of under 16s, we t I turned up to a game at St. Wands and Rosal Rovers didn't have a keeper. So Tony Parker, you know, sort of said to Ken Jagu at the time, he said, oh, look, we haven't got a goalkeeper. And we had two goalkeepers. And to be fair, the, I can't remember who the other goalkeeper was, but he was definitely a bit better than I was. Uh, so I, I went and played in goal for for Roselle, and uh, at that time I think I had one of the best games I've ever had in goal uh, against. And we ended up having a, a three three draw in the end, and and had a great game. And uh, I sort of thought to myself, yeah, I'm happy with that. And then from then on, I ended up playing for Roselle with with Tony Parkinson, and they were a fantastic bunch of lads. Uh, we weren't in the top under eighteen division; we were in Division Two, but. You know they were they were an amazing bunch of lads and and really welcomed me well at the time and yeah, we had a we had a great laugh and and that's where I sort of finished off at under 18s there and then it was trying to prioritise whether it was football or rugby and end up getting to my rugby a bit more because I think that suited my size at the time um, and yeah that, that from then but you know I absolutely love football and and love playing it. How do the two sports compare as well the rugby and football just from from the lads from from the sport itself. How, how much do they come together at times as well? 
Yeah, they, I think they do. I think fitness is probably two different, um, slightly two different things. I think with with uh, the rugby element, it's constantly up downs and not potentially so much um, sort of you know long long speeds of running. Um, and certainly, we've noticed with football this year, especially me, I'm the slowest person at most times. But uh, you know, constantly running around and chasing the ball down is 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 a complete different type of fitness to the potential up down stuff that 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 we're used to. So. Um, so yeah, I think they do come hand in hand. I think they're both great mentally and uh, and physically. And you know, we've been very fortunate whilst rugby's not not been playing to, to play football. But I think there's uh, there's definite uh, huge benefits between the both, and uh, and I think they complement themselves. I think football's a, a fantastic game as well, and uh, to play it is, is amazing. Yeah, for sure. And um, you touched on it the, about athletic playing now. When did that idea first come about? Obviously, rugby got cancelled. And when did you think, let's play rock, let's play football? Well, I'm always hassled at training when we start training. We are we start training with a bit of touch, sometimes a bit of touch rugby, although I try and go away from that because, you know, I try and keep the sessions as, you know, as, as intense as possible, especially when we're building up to a game. But if there's a football around, the lads are kicking a football around on the pitch before training, uh, you know, or can we have a game of football instead or do something like this? I'm just, you know, when, when potentially we haven't got a game. So, you know, we said, well, actually, I said, well, what, what can we do to keep ourselves going? Can't, can't do contact sport. So let's, let's try a football, let's try a football game. Uh, and then we, we started playing a bit of football. I put out there, right, we're starting a football team. And the first one that came forward was St. Clement's. I thought it would be their C team, but as you or, or, but as you know, Dan, you were up watching that game. It certainly yeah. wasn't, um, yeah. but we enjoyed it as well. And the lads, the lads, obviously we got beaten eight two that game, but the lads, the lads were disappointed. Um, but then you know, some of the players we were playing against us, I thought, well, actually, that's probably not a, not a bad result considering it was the first football game. So yeah, so that was, uh, that, that's how it started, and really, it's just taken off from there. Clemens were. Uh put out a really strong side that day. I do remember that. So, you did very well. Miles, um, and when, when did you move from playing um, outfield at rugby into the coaching side? How, how did that transition come about and um, and when did that happen? It was, it was pretty much forced upon me, I suppose, to, to retire from, from sport. I'd made it to the, the professional side here at the club. Um, I'd had... Uh, a really good run of form. And then I did my uh, ACL, my cruciate ligament. Uh, and then from then on, it just stemmed to lots of different knee issues. And, you know, in the end, I had five knee operations and had a lot of it redone again. Um, and I was spending nine months at a time doing rehab, uh, not that nine months, coming back and two months later doing a similar thing and being out for another nine months. So mentally, that was great for me. After seeing one of the surgeons in the UK, he basically said, look, You've got to outweigh the pros and the cons. And if you want to be able to walk around with your children properly or have a run around and be active, uh, then you probably need to stop playing. And, uh, and you know, I'd already started doing a bit of coaching and that's when the athletic role came along. And uh, for us, the athletic still play a hugely decent standard uh, for, for, for an amateur second team side. Um, it's a bit di- difficult to equivalent to football, but I suppose we it's almost like, um, you know, one below the sort of conference level. That's equivalent what we play at. So, um, you know, high, high standards then. Yeah, I mean, you, you do play against lads who are playing in the championship who may don't may not get in the first team squad, but they're in the second team squad, and that's who we play against. So one week they're playing in the championship against the first team, and the next minute they're playing against us the week after. So um, 
you know, we, we take it, uh, you know, it's hugely important for us and it's great for lads on Ireland as well. Yeah. And is that full time you do that, Miles? Is that your main job or is it, is it part time or voluntary? No, so, so basically I look after all the um, all the, the pictures at the rugby club. So I'm the grounds and up here as well. Um, and then obviously I sort of do the, co the coaching on the side, but no, I'm, my main job is, is the ground room role. Uh, and then I do the um, do, do coaching evenings. And then I'm very fortunate the club let me travel away for away games. So I sort of get managed that we have a fantastic base of volunteers up here who allow me to, to head off Ireland, potentially when we've got a first team home game. Um, so and that allows us to, to, to travel pretty much around the UK um, and play all these teams, which you, which is fantastic, and uh, without sponsorship, I certainly wouldn't be, be be possible. But no, it's it's brilliant to be able to offer that to be able to go and play in a, in a high standard UK league is brilliant. Um, so yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, rugby's done an amazing job going from where it started to where it is now. It's incredible how well it's been. Well, it's taken a while, and it's been a long journey, but it has been an incredible journey. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, no, it, it has been. I was very fortunate with the club that I started in uh, back in the London one, and then we got we had uh, three, uh, four promotions in five seasons, or something like that. And I was part of all those, so that was that was an amazing time for for the for the club um, and to be a part of. Um, uh, and then the, the transition to coaching role has been fantastic. You know, yeah. I, I'm, I, some, I sometimes look at. Uh, uh, Neil Warnock and I guess we get sent quite a lot of videos about Neil Warnock and you know he's changing chats at half time I think sometimes <laughs> I lose my call a bit sometimes but no it, uh, apart from that it's you know it, it has been brilliant you should come in and hear one of mine when we're not playing too well and we're losing it's hard not to get wound up yeah. but the you think you could do better as a coach but ultimately if I was on there I wouldn't be adding anything any value yeah. whatsoever so, yeah. uh, I think you might be able to do better myself, but when, if I was on there, that wouldn't be the case. Here's a question for both of you, I suppose. How much does coaching compare to the actual playing side? Do you miss the playing so much, or is coaching really help that period? 100%. I'd rather be a player. You turn up with your boots and your shin pads, somebody tells you where to play it and you get on with it. You become a coach or a manager, um, the only time you get you get your rest is when the is when the whistle starts and you can sit down and it lasts about three minutes and then you're up and you're at it right right away you're in the game with the players and yeah I think playing for me and I'd love to be still playing and any players that are coming towards the end of their career or younger players that consider stopping any sport you're a long time finished and a long time retired I would recommend through experience every day I've every single day I wish I was still playing so. Um, those that are fit enough and young enough, keep it up and keep playing. Yeah, I, I think I definitely, I sort of definitely agree with that. I think there's so much that goes on uh, with a coach and their preparations that no one, no one really sees or really sort of. I think everyone underestimates it quite a lot, to be honest with you. And uh, here at the club, I try and you know a match day for me is as a, as professional as possible. As I sort of try and follow the professional sides match day prep um, with how the lads arrive on game day to the warm up. Um, so there's a lot, so much that goes into it. And also you've got the added stress of, right, I've only got 10 minutes left. I've still got two subs to get on. How can I get them on? And, you know, what, what is it about? Is it about winning the game for us or is it about getting everyone a game? And, uh, you know, we, we've sort of had that. But, you know, our lads understand that 
um, it's hard going away, away from home, waking up 6am in the morning to get to the airport, traveling away all day. And potentially you might not even get on the field or you get five minutes, but we're in a position now where we, our team, we have to be fairly serious in that the fact that, you know, if you turn up taking us a jolly, you will get uh, a decent amount of points put on you. So you have to really respect the league that you're playing in. And also those players understand that, you know, it is about trying to get the best result for us moving forwards and, bring, you know, the confidence aspect of it and trying to win as many games as possible to, you know, so everyone keeps enjoying it, but ultimately finding that balance where everyone still gets to play a decent amount of time as well. Yeah. So there's a lot of, underestimation from players I think um, and potential spectators that a lot goes into the coaching side of things. Yeah, just just one thing I want to pick out there, you said about the professionalism, I mean rugby fantastic professionalism from the top down, but I have, I think I think it's worth highlighting Jersey as a sport in Ireland, the professionalism for amateur sports people, individuals, teams and from all across the board is phenomenal I think come from Scotland where I mean, most of my playing was always with a professional team and professional surroundings. And I'd never played for an amateur team or an, an under-18s. It was always connected to a club environment. So coming to Jersey, I thought, well, this is actually a better facility than some of the pitches I've played on. And, and me, you know, everyone's doing it for free. I mean, you see, you, you probably get it, Miles, a lot where the first question you get asked from a rugby player or a football, do you get paid while you're here? It's, must get paid if they've got a stadium like that or they're all wearing night tracksuits or Adidas tracksuits. But the professional standard of Jersey and the individual sports people is phenomenal. For a small island to be able to produce what it does, it's, it really does um, deserve a mention and how, how good it is. And, and it continues year on year, doesn't it? It's not just about, it's a little window of opportunity. It just keeps a conveyor belt of in some cases, world-class athletes. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we've definitely uh, the islands definitely uh, punch well above their weight in producing um, fantastic talent. Uh, you know, on the island and and also as amateur players, a lot of uh, from from all sports across the island sacrifice a lot. You know, yeah. for the balls, the boys. You know, not getting paid, traveling all that time, the amount of times they travel away, and you know, similarly with rugby and. You, you know, amateur sport, you pick up an injury, you pick up a cruciate ligament injury, suddenly you don't get paid for when you're off work, suddenly you don't... So these are all things that these guys go through to play the game that we love. Yeah. And, I, and I think, you know, that, that's, a, that's a huge, uh, you know, you know, huge... You well, know, the the thing is, when you're growing up, you don't know anything different. There's not something to benchmark it against from a footballing point of view in particular. It's a good point about Jersey Bulls. I mean, they've followed your path in rugby this, in terms of getting into the UK, but the professionalism of the Jersey Bulls from the top down, I mean, the way uh, Ian Horswell um, and, and his team um, and Russell the Fever, the way they have organised and all the rest of the team from the top, how they've managed it, communication, advertising, everything they do is just as professional as probably most of the clubs in the UK are doing at a decent level, you know, and fair play to everyone connected to that. And it's a shame, and we'll move into the next sort of phase here of the interview, but it's a shame that yourselves and the Bulls are unable to travel. But what is good, um, and you might like the way I've just brought this in, Dan, but what is good is how really good. locally, locally we can still offer sport to, to the, the Jersey Bulls players so they can go back to their original clubs 
or whatever team. And obviously just now we're in a lockdown situation, but we've been very fortunate that you can still keep active. And one of the one of the questions we wanted to find out from you, Miles, was from the games that you have played so far in the um, football league, um, which games have been your toughest in terms of playing against a, a team with ability? And what's the physicalities like? As um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm helping out with under-18s at St Paul's Reserves and we're due to play your team just before lockdown. And our, our kids are under-18, small frame, small guys. And the one thing I was worried about was these big rugby units just going to smash us all over the place. <laughs> but how have you felt it? How has the football teams worked it? Has it been serious and everyone enjoyed it? And what did you find tough with it? I think, I suppose, to start off with, I thought in an arrogant way from myself, not not arrogant, I suppose, but a sort of a confident way to go, oh, yeah, you know, we'll start playing football. You know, we'll try and take a couple of scouts at these these deep, really good teams that play in the highest division. And then that was sort of put to bed straight away on the first game of that we played. And we lost 8-2 and the pace of the game. And, and St. Clements had a mix, I think, of reserves and first-team players there. And actually, we were, and then that brought us down a peg or two, thinking, do you know what, actually, um, but w- w- not that we, we didn't enter it respectfully. And that's one thing we wanted to make sure we did, was when we started playing football, that we did it, everything with the utmost respect for the game itself. So, um, you know, we, we, you know we, we take it seriously. Um, we try and sort ourselves a kit out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think certainly we, we played St. Clements, uh, we lost 8-2 and then we played against Sombrellas Reserves and we lost a 6-4. We managed to come back and score a couple of goals. And after that, we played sort of uh, C, uh, in this, the C-team league, um, you know, yeah. sort of Dragos, Portuguese United, um, uh, Sporting Ackies. Uh, and we've been really successful against those teams. Um, the Portuguese uh, clubs, they've, they've got three good teams in the league this yeah. year and you know, there were some good players. So, I mean, if you're handling those games, I mean, that's competitive. Um, it's competitive. It keeps the boys physically healthy. But another thing around we were wanting to understand is the mindset of the rugby teams as well, playing football. But how's your players, as well as the physical health, how's their mental health been getting through all this? And, you know, you sometimes position a rugby player with really strong mental health. How is that... Um, affected your guys and how do you guys manage that to keep everybody's attitude upbeat? I think I think throughout the process I've and the, the players will tell you this you know I touch base with the players weekly because I don't see a lot of them and if they don't play football I don't see them really um, we we train once a week uh, when we can but obviously recently we haven't been able to do that and with the case, the case is rising so I touch base them once a week just saying look Hope everyone's well. Uh, you know, I, I sometimes get them all to reply with a thumbs up emoji if they're feeling okay. And if they if they need to chat to me, whack me a message on the side. Uh, and I won't stop until everyone sent me a thumbs up emoji or someone's contacted me about any any issues they have. Um, but play, playing uh, team playing team sport and playing football uh, has been a huge relief for the boys. Uh, they love it. It gets the lads together in the team. It keeps them competitive because when when either we go a goal behind or we lose a game. The guys are, are really sort of downbeat about it. They want they want to try and compete uh, at the best they can. Uh, having that, you know, having team sport and being able to play and just having the bit of social side of it's been great for them. And I think mentally, they'd all say that without that, um, you know, we we we're not not struggled in in a really bad way, but 
you know, sort of been like, oh, you know. And when these guys have got teams, these guys are used, and same as football, you're used to team sport, you know, every single, twice a week and then at the weekend, religiously from August till May. Um, and when suddenly that routine is completely taken away from you, uh, people can, people find it really, you know, players find it really hard to adapt to that. Uh, so uh, having football has been fantastic for us. We really appreciate everything that the Football Association and all the teams playing us have done for us. Um, it's been amazing. Now that is good. It's good to hear that the two sports yeah. are working together. And, um, and and again, I think when, one of the, in this current climate, you know, January is always a, a month where you have to keep an eye on people at the best of times, but with COVID and all that, uh, are your guys quite open at sharing the feelings and, you know, sometimes football in particular, there's certain players in football that, you know, really keep their feelings close to their chest and don't want to speak out. But, you know, we want to start encouraging people to have the confidence to, you know, talk to their, talk to their teammates, talk to whoever they feel comfortable with and not feel humiliated by saying that I don't feel right on my head's not as the way it should be. And do you have players yourself that, are confident to do that or do you still feel there's a bit of a stigma there or what's your opinion and view on that? I honestly think the lads are, 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 my lads are fairly open with it. If they want to get something off their chest, they'll come and chat to one of us about it. Um, You you know, I think that, that, that's fantastic for for them to have. Uh, Touching base with them constantly and just making sure that they are okay because sometimes someone messaging you may prompt you to come out with something rather than actually plucking up the courage to send the message yourself uh, about it but you know I, I, I for me I think I, it's been good because I've managed to find the right balance with the players is is you know I'm their, I'm their coach but also I can get we can go and have a beer together so yeah. I found a really good balance there um, with it that you know that actually do you know what I am approachable or not just me maybe one of the other coaches or the captain or whoever uh, you know, and and yeah, there, there has been players over the years that we have had conversations about certain aspects, and you know, it could be anything from a yeah. from from work work stresses to 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 relationship uh, uh, relationship. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they can feel that they can if that coming to see you gets it off their chest for ten minutes or makes them feel better in themselves that they've got something out in the open. Then fantastic, you know. And that's something I think we need. Will work. I think I want to work forward at the club to is, is, is get a more um, someone in place in, in a professional way um, yeah. that they can speak to that I you know that potentially there may be information maybe advice that I'm giving that potentially is not the correct one yeah well, I think yeah well I'm a, I'm a mental health first aid officer myself and I would like to see sports have more of these type of figures where you've got child protection officers in there but um, mental health officer, I don't know whether clubs are able to facilitate that, but certainly the sport in itself should have some sort of um, path through for people that are struggling that do need to talk. There's fantastic support out there in Jersey, um, different services that offer great support to people. So I think I- just 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 on that, I think anyone that is suffering or struggling, then for us, I think it's a sign of strength to speak out and ask for help and. Um, you know, if anyone's watching this message today along with the interview, I think it's important that don't feel too down. We'll get through this tough time and you'll get your football, your rugby, your netball, all the different sports that we can get them back playing again and hopefully we'll appreciate things a lot more. Yeah, for sure. And Miles, how much would you encourage people to open up and talk to people if they are 
feeling a bit down about the whole situation at the moment, especially. Yeah. I think chatting from, I mean, I went for it for an injury perspective and, and actually, uh, you know, it, it, it was, it was a bit of a mental struggle for me. I never got to the point where it was a really bad situation, but it was, a, it was to a point where potential was affecting my life, the way I was, I acted day to day and potentially moody all the time, you know, bits and pieces like that, not wanting to chat about it. Um, I think actually having, you know, you know, you know, my, my girlfriend, Steph, and having my family around me and the lads at the club who had been through similar really helped me get through that, um, you know, that, that time. But I definitely say, you know, chatting to someone, even if it's just literally a, a phone call or pulling them aside after a training session to say, look, you know, can I just, can I just sit down with you for 15 minutes and just get this off my chest? Because, uh, you know, and, and, I, and I know for a fact, you know, down the years, we have, a, we have a guys that have come up, you know, whether it, friends as well as teammates and or, or yeah, it doesn't you know. need to just be specifically team related or player related this anyone can suffer from right yeah 100 percent. and and if, if you can speak out about it um then i like you said Cass, i think it makes you stronger to, to speak out about it um they, they, then keep it inside and uh it encourages go, others to do the same so um yeah, good, good, good bit of insight. I think it's a subject we, we could talk for the whole session on, you know, yeah. in terms of, yeah. I think yeah. it's, it's really important that we don't offer advice to people if you don't really know what position that individual's in, but definitely having a, a, a kind ear and listening with no judgment is the way you go. And, Never yeah, stop. Especially Never. the ones that are on their own, you know, people that live on their own, you know, people that think, oh, he'll be all right. Yeah. And they say it's always the jack the lad you need to, and the, the, the life and soul of the parties that you need to keep an eye on as well, because sometimes they're not as life and soul. They've got to go home, and who makes them laugh and cheers them up? Yeah. People should never suffer in silence. And yeah, good point. There's, there's, al there's always someone there who will listen. So yeah, please so, do. So, yeah, good show. And I think going back just to the football, who's who's stood out for? So the, your football team element, who stood out for you? Are you allowed to say that as the coach or if it, is it the usual cliche? Oh, they've all been great. Is there anyone that stood out? Is uh, Player-wise for us, I mean, we, ha we, we have actually been quite fortunate. We've got a couple of sportsmen in the team and a couple of lads who played football. One or, one or two lads that have been at Victoria College, played for their first 15, have been quite well, but they play hockey, they play football, they play cricket. They play, and so they're quite gifted in that way. Um, we've got a couple of old heads. Richard Stevens has been back and forth at Grooville a bit. He's played a bit of the C team, the reserve stuff. So he's uh, he's been quite a good player for us. Um, so generally, we've got Scott McLeod play. Yeah, I'm sorry, Scott and Scott as well. Scott's uh, in the last couple of games, he's really found his 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 mojo a bit, and and you could see he was uh, still well. great. He, great, he was he was outstanding. I'm centre back. I mean, I I targeted him for island football when he was 17, 18, and he was in a position where I should have stayed. And he was a fantastic footballer, brilliant centre back. He captain jersey yeah. for most of his. Um, yeah, junior career, so he's one we'd happily have back if you ever get fed up with. <laughs> and we've, and we've probably got a few we could send you away. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think Scott, Scott's been brilliant, but I think we've just as well, you know, like you say, a bit of a cliche, but no, the lads have been good. Even even myself, I found myself waddling around and I still waddle around every bloody game, but, um, but I've actually found myself improving slightly as well from the first game now to when I am. You know, instead of the lads taking the mick out of you because you're losing the ball all the time, we're actually yeah. going, oh, mate, that was a decent pass there. Or we created yeah. that chance. 
was an assist, or I've actually managed to get a couple of goals myself, which I've been uh, right place, right time, and tappings from about a meter away. I think. But yeah, uh, yeah. I'm just going to take note of that for when we play them. That keep an eye on the good guy with the hair. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely the a around the lads being too physical and 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 you know. Uh, fouling all the time and uh, not that or, or, or teams getting worried about that. I think actually in some of the games we played, it's been the, the, sometimes been the opposite. I think that teams have felt they had to stand up to us a bit more physically. Um, we've had uh, teams getting red cards against us. We've had, uh, you know, so I think, I think we actually, I think most of the teams you'll play, we've played over 35 sides. We've played James Scott's Jersey Scottish boys. Um, and they found it really, really, really great. And I don't think anyone, any team walked off the pitch going, that wasn't enjoyable because we were getting fouled every two minutes. Um, yeah. I think they all walked off the pitch feeling like that was a really useful game for us. Yeah. So, and, and, and you're there for the rest of the season. Then, no, is it all subject to the rules changing? Obviously, if the rules go in your favour from a rugby point of view, will you still stay playing the football or will you stop and go back? Well, what's the well, we're, we're pretty committed to playing season now our league won't is being cancelled for the year so okay. for the season so um we've got a fixture this right until i think the second week of may uh so our games every single saturday 20 cool. games you've got i checked it out yeah. before and i thought wow tw- there's not many teams can get 20 games in a season so you've done incredibly well and i think fair play at the gfa organizing it and working collectively with rugby um to set that up um we might yes. have to interview you again if um, we play you and you beat us and I'm not happy with some of the tackles. <laughs> I might bring my boots and shin pads and come on for the last 20 because it's rolling subs. So I'll come <laughs> on for five and come off for five. <laughs> no, I think, I think Dad, I think Dad uh, is, the fi- is a fixture secretary as well. So it all worked out quite handily. I think he, you know, when we wanted to enter the league, he was the first to say no before even asking anyone else because he was like, no, I've done all the fixtures now, and it wouldn't be done. And then, obviously, that was completely rightly backed up by the JFA. Yeah. Uh, so they said, "Look, you know, myself and Dave, etc., will put uh, a full fixture list in place as if you were in a league um, that gives you these structured games all the way to the season." And that's when I thought, "Right, well, I'm going to turn our pitch uh, up here from a rugby pitch into a football pitch, even though the rugby posts are still up. So I've got football markings on there and rugby markings. We've got yeah. football goals there as yeah. well." So, no, brilliant. I think I think it's worth shouting out to Steve the fixtures that Steve has to manage and change and amend. He does an amazing job. Uh, again, volunteering to do that type of thing, and also all the parks and recreational staff that keep the pitches maintained. Yeah, you know, I know there's not been many games, but when the games are on, you know, they're they're behind the scenes. No one ever sees what these guys do. You just turn up. The pitch looks lovely. The lines are all out. The, the nets are perfect. Some magical football angel came and just dropped it down, but it's people like Steve Landit and, he, and he's the other workforce that sits behind that that helps sport and um, yeah, for sure, yeah, be able to play at really high quality surfaces for what we've got here. I think the guys would appreciate that. I think, especially me being a groundsman myself up here, I think you know everyone just turns up and plays on it. Um, but certainly all of the, the sort of states run pitches, etc. I find what we've played on been uh, been amazing. I yeah, think it's very, very, very good. Very and, good. And, and you look for, you, for you as well, Miles, like the commitment to get a football pitch up there. And I know these games are labelled friendlies, but you guys want to win every game, don't you? 
Yeah, I think we're I think we're like seven games unbeaten now or something like that. So I think we wanna we wanna continue that. But I think the you know, by putting the, the pitch up here, one thing we wanted to do was host these teams and we the Trinity over thirty fives came up here. You know, I give the the guys a, a show around the dressing room, so they changed and we had the professional sides train, uh, uh get changed, they had a look in the gym, saw what the gym was like. And then obviously played the game. And then after the game, there was a full-blown hot meal laid on for them. I think it was a nice chicken, uh, chicken potatoes, the whole works. Yeah, a round of beers on the table ready for them when they got up there. And they really enjoyed that. I think Stay that's by, Mash, that'll do me, mate. You can keep yeah. the beers. But uh, <laughs> no, that, that sounds brilliant. And it is great that we're um, working collectively. And I think we've spoke, Dan, about that, that we may be looking... Um, Get, get an interview with a couple of referees as well, just yeah. to get you know different opinions, give them the guys a voice. You know, they put up with a lot week in, week out. And let's let let get a bit of a human element to these people, to the, the referees and these these guys that go out and do a fantastic job, a hard job. And no matter I don't see anybody that's moaning at them week in, week out, volunteering to say, I'll ref it next week. Crucial I, think, as well. I, think we can, I think we can position this really where we can start realizing that. We're all volunteers at the end of the day, although referees do get paid for it, but they deservedly so. We, yeah, they're uh, crucial uh, to the game. People people moan the about them, and without them, it's the game's not here. So they deserve yeah. the credit and the highlight. Huge thing there. I don't think we'll lift that, but we can do a little bit of help, it, I think, along the way. I mean, I'm a bit of a Portugal gamekeeper with it. I, I was probably... a Referees hated me as a player, and quite rightly so. I had a vile mouth and shouted far too much, just out of frustration. And um, but I got the cards and the ten pound fine or thirty quid fine, sometimes a little bit more. But um, and and I think it'll be good for us to get people on that can come and give a different perspective to how things are. And then footballers can then see that these guys are actually just nice, nice men. Yeah, nice men that got a family, they've got a job, they've got a life. You know, they give it up to come and. On a freezing cold night in Kennedy in December to referee a match and get, yeah. you know, like, uh, at the end of the day, we won't reinvent the wheel here, but we can try and help with the round, can't we? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I've actually since our games being played. I think we found the referees to be absolutely amazing, and we we definitely wanted to to give them a shout out after every game because some of the games we played haven't been, they've been pretty intense. Uh, especially, you know, we had one game against uh, Portuguese United, which was a fantastic contest, um, but it was a fairly heated one. And not the heated in a bad way, but, you know, there was obviously... Passionate, some passionate, passionate yeah. yeah. These yeah tackles the teams are hugely passionate about the football, yeah. like everybody is. Um, it, was it was refereed so well. Um, and, you know, I say, I say, right, sir, we're going to make a substitution. And then he ignores me. And then I say, ref, and he turns around. So I don't think he's... Yeah. <laughs> it's what you say. I was brought up calling the ref, sir, in Glasgow. That was always what you had to you had to address them as, sir. That ball was never effing out. Yeah, no, you call them sir when you call the referee sir, but when you say ref, they turn around. So it used uh, to get you off with some bookings. When I first came to Jersey and I was calling them sir, the referees loved it. And then after a while, they sort of went, forget the sir, any more of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, know, I got your number from the last game. That's uh... exactly uh, all those different haircuts didn't work. <laughs> they still, I changed my number every week, but they, they still <laughs> recognize me, I think. Right, uh, anyway. Uh, it's been a brilliant episode, I think. Um, yeah, really good. 
Really good. Covered a lot of topics and important ones as well. So thanks a lot to Miles for coming on. Yeah, thank you. And sorry about rabbiting on, but no, it's been it's been amazing. And whilst I've got the opportunity on here, it's just to, to echo the, the thank you again to uh, the Jersey Football Association, the Referees Association, um, you know, for, for you guys covering local sport and football. Um, and also to, to our sponsors at the Rugby Club. Uh, they've been amazing. They've actually contributed to us from the season. We've just bought some new balls. We've managed to get some a, a set of shirts. Uh, we've got some goals in place that Jersey Wanderers have lent us. So, you know, we've, we've been really helped. And I just want to say thank you very much to all those people that have made it made it possible because it has had a huge effect on us being able to play uh, football and team sports. So, so thank great. you to them. Okay. And uh, what's your, you just plug the sponsor. What, who is that? What are they called? What's the name? Uh, it, well, it's a couple of them. It's Mercury Distribution, uh, Hackwell and Cook, uh, Coastline Windows and uh, LGL Trustees. So those four... Um, you know, have been huge. They, they've contributed to us uh, being able to, to, to continue to, to, to participate with rugby training as well as football. Uh, so they've been amazing. And, and normally it takes us about 70,000 a year just to run our side. Uh, and that's not without, no one gets paid. That's completely amateur. And a lot of that's travel costs and bringing teams yeah, to the island. Yeah. Well, without, that's phenomenal and well done getting that. And again, if we can share best practice to see how football can maybe... In a serious note, how can football get a little bit more from a club point of view uh, to help them keep the professionalism up, keep the standards with the grounds and the facilities? And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a burning hole in pockets for clubs to maintain this pitch and um, the sure. equipment and everything that goes with it. So, yes, yeah. without sponsors, it's so much more difficult and it costs a lot more money to play the game. So, yeah, we're all yeah. thankful for that. Uh, okay, nice uh, one, Mel. Pleasure to meet you. Dan, thank thanks you again for inviting us and setting this up. No, we'll thank up. Thanks for watching and listening as well, guys.